Remember that phase you went through in junior high or high school where you got a little too obsessed with vampires and other occulty things? I think most of us did, especially my generation, because we got all the crappy Twilight movies. I mean, I had a phase where I wore a lot of black and listened to a lot of punk rock, but that was it. Some people, like John Brennan Crutchley, took it a little too far. It's our weird world. Our weird world. Welcome to Our Weird World. I am your host, John Henson, and today I'm going to tell you one of the lesser-known stories out there, but one that is still just head-scratchingly weird. Uh, If you've ever wondered what it was like to be a vampire as an adult, you're going to learn today. It's story time. John Brennan Crutchley was born on October 1st, 1946, to a wealthy family in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, His mother, however, was hoping that John had been born a girl because the Crutchley's daughter, Donna June, had died the year before in a freak bean-flicking accident. Um, This story, you know, I guess it's too late to give you a spoiler here, but this story flies off the rails real quick. Uh, Donna, in an attempt to kind of learn more about her body, as, you know, young girls do, uh, inadvertently lodged a glass tube inside of her bladder. And as doctors, you know, tried to remove it from her body, she died uh, from circulatory collapse right there on the operating table. Now, I'm only about 80% sure that that's what actually happened. Uh, the sources on that were a little sketchy. Uh, I do know Donna June existed and that she died in 1945. And, you know, everything after that is, you know, possible. So um, I'm going to choose to believe it just because that's fun for me. Meanwhile, uh, for the first five years of John's life, Mildred forced him to dress like a girl. Uh, She and uh, John's father also just beat him several times, including burning his fingers whenever he did something bad. And that's obviously not a good recipe for a stable adulthood. But Despite the rough upbringing, John excelled in school, and he eventually graduated with a degree in physics from Defiance College in 1970. He got married to a girl named Maud, and that's when things started going downhill. Uh, John became increasingly paranoid, and he thought that uh, people in the radio station where he worked right out of college uh, were out to get him. And I don't know if you know that's really all he kind of said about it. I'm not sure if they were out to get him in the sense that they were going to kill him or if they were just going to try to hurt him or cost him his job or whatever. But so he started bugging various rooms around the station to eavesdrop on the other employees and hear their conversations. And when his boss found out, he fired him. So uh, John and Maude then got divorced shortly after he lost his radio job. And um, a few years later, uh, after bouncing around from various jobs and in various relationships, uh, he was living in Fairfax, Virginia in 1977 when he met Deborah Fitzjohn. And that, I mean, those two weren't around very much, around each other very much, mainly because Fitzjohn disappeared shortly after they, you know, started a relationship together. Uh, John was questioned about it, but because he had top level security clearance, thanks to his new fancy job at the Pentagon, he was never really suspected of her disappearance. And obviously because no one did anything corrupt in the U S government in the late seventies. <laughs> um, but, 
partially because there was so much corruption going on in the 1970s. John actually was able to just start selling drugs on the side because it was fun for him and he could get away with it. He also joined a sex club, which introduced him to all sorts of things like bondage, group sex, and other just super kinky things. And while he was in this group, uh, John met a nurse who introduced him to vampirism, which, you know, that's probably the last group of people you want knowing how to be vampires. Um, she, she taught John how to take blood from patients using needles, and she even told him how much blood you could actually take from someone at one time without killing them. And then she also showed him the spiritual side of vampirism and, you know, talked about how drinking blood could purify him and atone for his sins. John thought all of that was totally cool, like nothing weird about that at all. And he was totally bought in. So in 1983, John got a new job with NASA and moved down to Malabar, Florida, and at that point, you know, in the six years that he had met, was it six years? Yeah. In the six years that he had met that nurse and gotten super into vampirism, he had been, he had remarried to someone else and had a child. And, you know, although people kind of thought John was kind of weird, you know, they never really expected, suspected him of doing anything, you know, illegal. And probably because that's just how most people in Florida act. You know, everyone's just kind of weird. Well, in November 1985, John's wife and his son went up to Maryland uh, for Thanksgiving. John stayed back in Florida, just, you know, coming up with an excuse that he had to work. And uh, one day while they were gone, John was driving home from work on his lunch break to go pick up a notebook. And he saw this hot little college girl hitchhiking, hitchhiking along the side of the road. John pulled over, picked her up, offered to take her wherever she needed to go as long as he could stop at home first to get that notebook. So the girl agreed and they drove back to John's house and he invited her in, but she said, no smart. And so John just got out of the car, went back around to the trunk and then he grabbed a rope and choked her unconscious. So not, I guess, I mean, really the smart decision would have been not getting in the car, but you know, hindsight's 2020. Uh, sometime later, uh, the girl woke to find herself tied to the kitchen countertop and s- just surrounded by all kinds of lights and cameras. And that's because John was about to come out and record himself raping her. And then once he was done with that, he stuck several needles into her arm and wrist and extracted her blood. And as if that wasn't traumatizing enough for the poor girl, he then drank it right in front of her. You know, that's, I mean, it's just weird. Um, when he was done with all of that, uh, John untied her, handcuffed her, and then threw her in the bathtub where he politely informed her that he would come back later for more rape and blood drinking. And after a second and third round of this, the girl was finally able to break out of the bathroom window, even though her arms and her legs were still bound. And she just, I don't know if she was hopping or just kind of doing the worm, um, you know, down the road, you know, details were scarce on that, but eventually a truck driver found her naked and took her to the hospital. Uh, once she arrived at the hospital, doctors discovered that she was missing nearly half of the blood that was supposed to be in her body. But thanks to the girl's great memory, she knew exactly where she had been taken and who her attacker was. And a search warrant was immediately put out. Um, short time later, police showed up at John's house with a SWAT team and, the, the group instructed one officer to sneak around to the side of the house, but 
in an attempt to be as sneaky as possible, a passing car, uh, the headlights startled him and he jumped into the bushes so he wouldn't be seen. And when he jumped into the bushes, he landed directly on top of John, who was subsequently hiding in the bushes trying to spy on the cops. And because it was Florida, I guess, and because their entire cover had been blown, the SWAT team and the police just packed up and left. Like, they didn't, you know, they were just like, oh, man, sorry, I don't know what's going on here. We'll, we'll see you later. Don't worry about this. We're done. Um, and so a few hours later, police returned with a search warrant, and they properly arrested John by pulling him through the screen door. And then, because I guess they had to, they started searching the house and found 72 index cards outlining names and characteristics of women that John had stalked and raped over time. And they took that as enough evidence to take him and put him in jail. Uh, In June 1986, John pleaded guilty to kidnap and rape charges as part of a plea deal to drop the grievous bodily harm that came with draining the girl's blood. He was sentenced to 25 years in jail with 50 years of parole. But because, again, our justice system's really stupid sometimes, John was released after 11 years for good behavior. Um. But, you know, because he had been just such a creepy little weirdo, no one wanted him around. So John was transferred to a halfway house in Orlando to undergo counseling and pay some restitution. But literally the day after he arrived in Orlando, John was arrested for possession of marijuana. And because of the because that was a violation of his parole, he then uh, received a life sentence because uh, Florida has a three strikes law. And that was it. So John was done after that point when, uh, when he arrived, but here's like, and you think at that point that the story's over, it's not, um, when John got back in prison, somehow officers found that John had 13 piercings on his nether region. And one of those piercings allowed him to put a padlock on his dick, which, you know, and apparently, according to reports, it was more like a third leg, which, you know, so gross. Um, he claimed, and we you know, obviously they had to ask him about this. And John claimed that the padlock was a symbol of his faithfulness to his wife, who had divorced him almost immediately after he was arrested for, you know, draining that girl's blood. Well, these are the type of endings that I like in these stories. On March 30th, 2002, John was found dead in his cell at the Hardy Correctional Institute with a plastic bag over his head. Um, the cause of death was reported as autoerotic asphyxiation, which, if the first story about Donna June was true, makes him the second crutchly to die from masturbation. All right, there you go. John Brennan Crutchley. Uh, not a lot of people know that story, uh, so I hope you enjoyed it. Um, one of many Florida stories that will be coming uh, in this podcast, uh, just as if you didn't know, Florida's just a weird place. So that was weird, and uh, now we should probably find out what we learned today. What did we learn? 
Number one, if your parents made you dress up like the opposite sex, like we learned with Carol Cole, uh, chances are pretty high that you're not going to end up as a good person. Uh, number two, uh, regardless of what many teenagers think, there I guess there is such a thing as too much masturbation. Uh, and <laughs> number three, uh, this is probably goes without saying, stay away from people who think it's cool to drink blood. <laughs> Next week on Our Weird World, it's another story that I am way too excited to tell you about. It is the story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard and her insane mother, Dee Dee. Uh, you may have seen one of the many documentaries that's out right now on this girl, and uh, that's because this story absolutely deserves every single documentary that's ever made. Uh, it's going to be a great one. Hope you'll tune in. Thanks for listening. Tell all your friends and keep it weird. Keep it weird.